You're listening to the One Small Bite Podcast with me, your host, David Roscoe. For over a decade, I have built a successful nutrition practice helping thousands of people thrive, nourish their life, and break the cycle of crazy diets. We will take one small bite at a time to transform your health and develop a positive relationship to food. So let's chop the diet mentality, fuel your body, and nourish your soul. Okay, are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is your host, David Orozco, with the One Small Bite podcast, where we chop that diet mentality so we can build an anti-diet and compassion-focused nutrition approach to building a positive relationship to food and your body. What does that mean? That means we move away from diet culture and from weight stigmatization. We bring in body positivity, weight-inclusive, and a diverse approach to helping you look at how to make that peace with food and with your body. So, here we come to the next edition of the Friday Foodcast. And these Friday Foodcasts, they're a lot shorter than our regular Wednesday segments. We take about 15 to 20 minutes to provide you with some great tips and ideas on how to move forward in that anti-diet, compassion-focused approach. So in this episode, what we're going to do is analyze the implicit biases of an online health article and then talk about how it weight stigmatizes and marginalizes a person so that it actually contributes to more poor health, especially long term. And then what we'll do is then we'll take some of that information and re-establish it, repurpose it. So we do deliver a more compassionate and anti-diet message that then can be used with that article. But before we get started, let me talk about our sponsor. Our sponsor today is my practice, TD Wellness. TD Wellness is an anti-diet, weight-inclusive practice that uses a compassion-focused nutrition approach that helps people build a more positive relationship to food and eating. And to find out about what that means and whether or not that's a good fit, feel free to contact us. Go to our website, tdwellness.com. You can make an appointment and set something up for 15 or 20 minutes, or you can email us at info at tdwellness.com. That's I-N-F-O at T is in Trisha, D is in David, wellness.com, and leave us a message there. Or one thing that would be great is if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the make or leave a review and drop us some stars. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear your thoughts and comments about the show. And remember, those reviews really help get this podcast out to more people. Also want to ask, if you haven't yet subscribed, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you can get these episodes downloaded automatically to your device on your podcast player of choice so that you don't miss a beat. 
And lastly, I also want to remind you, if you haven't already checked us out on Facebook, we do have an online or Facebook group community. If you go to One Small Bite, search in the Facebook groups, One Small Bite, you can find us there and we can have you join our group where we have great discussions and conversations. All right, so now let's head on over to our conversation about these three main areas. Here we go. And so I want to give credit to a recent intern of mine. Her name is Destiny Gresham. Destiny looked at an article from Healthline that was written back in 2019. And the article was how to exercise and uh, lose weight. So the article's name was How to Lose Weight with PCOS, 13 Helpful Tips. Now, at first glance, this makes sense. It sounds good. It's like, okay, this is interesting. I wonder what this article will talk about. And so there were 13 tips like reducing your carb intake, getting plenty of fiber, eat enough protein, eat healthy fats, eat fermented foods, practice mindful eating, limit processed foods and added sugars, reduce inflammations, don't undereat, exercise regularly, get enough sleep, manage your stress. And number 13 was consider supplements. Ooh, <laughs> I'm not crazy about that. But this was, you know, again, sounds good. All of these ideas are um, excellent. They're great approaches. Manage your stress, get enough sleep. Yeah, regular exercise. Absolutely. Those are all great tips. When you start reading the article, though, one of the challenges is that Articles like this tend to have a lot of similar conversation. And what do I mean by that? What, what I mean by that is that the conversation is, do this because you're going to lose weight. Now, I want to really kind of hone in a little bit on that. And what I mean by that is I want to hone in on the idea of losing weight for health. I think you've heard me talk about this before. And weight loss is not a behavior, Behaviors can lead to weight loss, but weight loss is not a behavior in and of itself. So if we focus on weight loss and it's not a behavior, then it's actually, by that definition, it's easy to get lost in a lot of the complexities and nuances that are involved with weight loss. The other thing that I want to point out is someone's weight is not the cause of their illness or their condition in life. I know that may sound a little radical, a little controversial for me to say, but what I'm trying to get at is that there's so much more that's involved in a disease or in a condition or an issue in someone's life, like the amount of stress. Stress is such a big component of what's going on in a person's life. Now, when we tell someone that they have to lose weight in order for their disease or their illness or condition to improve, what is actually happening is indirectly we are knocking down their self-worth. What does that mean? Well, let me put it to you this way. If you read an article like this and it says weight loss is going to help PCOS, someone who is of heavier weight will read this and go, see, there's something wrong with me. Now, they may not directly say that out loud or even think it exactly that way, but their confidence, their self-esteem, their worthiness, the person they think that they are gets fixed into this idea or this 
image of what society thinks you are. And that's just the person seeing themselves this way. It's not anybody telling them except when they read something like this article. So there's, I'm not trying to say that this article is bad. There's some great tips in this article. But this is a great example of how we stigmatize our society. This is a great example of how there's a lot of implicit bias that's going on. So let me talk a little bit about one little area of this article because this is what my intern found. So I asked her to pull out one or two studies cited in the article and let's analyze it. And so what we did is we pulled the exercise part or I should say she pulled the exercise part. She did a great job. So in the article, in tip number 10, it says exercise regularly. Now, this is a great tip, it's a great recommendation, but it's extremely vague. And it's also saying something about movement, which is, again, it's nice, it's good, and regularly. I love everything about consistency. You guys know that that's one of my top th uh, four C's in my book that's coming out, right? Consistency. So regular movement is a great idea. Problem is, is that what's happening is, in this article, this segment cited two studies. The first one was a study on how to lose weight with PCOS. So the article is a study or a secondary analysis of a 12-week exercise intervention for, and I'm using the O words here, overweight and obese, obesity in inactive women. So that's curious. It's like, hmm, all right. That's one thing that made me wonder. The study looked at several women. Now, the study started with 117 eligible candidates, women with PCOS and non-PCOS, of weight bearing, excuse me, of childbirthing years, ages 20 to 40. As they started parsing it down, the total number of participants ended up being 16. Nine had PCOS, and then seven were put in the non-PCOS group. So 16 total par participants, nine of which only had PCOS. Yet another flag. Nine people, nine women with PCOS does not make a cause and effect. In other words, you can't take a drug and apply it to nine people and then say that works for the population. You have to have a larger, larger sample size. So the sample size is very, very small. The participant number is very small. So that's another red flag in this study that I think should have been uh, considered in this. And what they did is that they excluded people who were older than 40, younger than 20, if they had diabetes, if they had any recent weight change, which is a big factor here. So that's yet another little area that's not mentioned in this. Um, and they uh, also didn't take into consideration any race or ethnicity. So we don't know what the race or ethnicity of these women are, which is important because race, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, they're all determinants of health. If you heard that segment, excuse me, that episode with Michelle Gooden about social determinants of health, it's a big factor here, right? 
So yet you start seeing a lot of little red flags that are going on here. So let's get into what they did, what they did in the study. So they took these uh, 16 woman, women and they put them in an exercise intervention program. It's 12 weeks of supervised aerobic exercise training on a motorized treadmill. So for three sessions a week, they would go on the treadmill for 45 to 60 minutes and they would do a moderate to high interval type exercise or run. Now, the problem with this is if you apply this to just the general public, you take people that are a heavier weight that don't usually run and exercise like this and have them automatically just start like this, first and foremost, that's difficult. <laughs> so you have to have someone that's going to train someone to do this. So they have to get to a certain point on this. So again, another red flag. The other thing, too, is that they really didn't do much with their nutrition. There was no dietary restriction. There was, um, there was some information given to the participants about following three meals a day with a carbohydrate low diet. So that is interesting there because we know that carbohydrates do affect blood sugar, but What was given to them? That's not clear in this study. So did that have an effect? Did it not have an effect? So again, another red flag. And so the results was also very interesting in the study. The results showed that one quarter of the participants did not improve their insulin sensitivity. Now, PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. It's essentially where there is irregular hormone fluctuations irregular uh, periods in women, and there's generally a insulin sensitivity or a resistance to insulin. So it's like diabetes almost, but you don't get those high blood sugar situations. So a quarter of them, that out of nine women, a quarter of them, that means <laughs> somewhere around two or three of them Uh, did not have uh, an improvement in their insulin sensitivity. So now we're seeing the numbers even lower. So wait, they did these exercises three days a week, 45 to 60 minutes for 12 weeks, and a quarter of them, two or three of them, did not see improvement in their insulin? Okay. Two-thirds of them did not reduce body fat by, less, by more than 5%. So that's another interesting part, right? So that means that seven out of the nine participants that had PCOS did not see an improvement in their body fat. There was also no correlation between exercise and what's called visceral fat. So that's the fat around the belly. And that correlation with insulin resistance too. So that's another thing that was not well designed. So technically, What happened was that there was no statistical significance in the result of the, the study. While there was actually a little bit of weight loss, we don't know whether these women were able to sustain it. And more importantly, were they able to do this without having this intervention? In other words, having someone be paid to do these classes where they don't have to go to a gym. Now, again, if you're in a lower socioeconomic uh, society or population and you don't have access to a gym or the money to pay for a gym or a trainer, this is not easy to do. If you are in a full-time job and you have hard time going to a gym or in this pandemic, 
a lot of people are scared to go to a gym. So there's a lot of things here that are big red flags. And more importantly, the study didn't actually show an improvement. Um, they, it didn't show that PCOS situations improved with weight loss because so few people actually lost weight. So in review, what we have is some level of implicit bias from the author of this article. The article is actually not bad. There are some great tips in this. I want to emphasize the person who wrote this did a good job in putting out some good information on what we need to do, but there's an implicit bias, and that is copied thought, copied information. We're bringing in the weight stigmatization, and that is we shouldn't look a certain way because it's that is what's causing the problem. And you know, disease, conditions, issues are a lot more complicated than that. So there's that. Then again, as I mentioned earlier, there's the weight stigmatization. How that actually plays into a person's psyche, it puts them marginalized. It makes them feel not worthy, not belonging. That adds to the stress in our society. And then to try to fit into a body that they're not, despite the fact that they might think they need to be there, puts more stress on them. I have to join a gym. I have to pay for this. I have to do that. I'm not doing it. I'm not good enough. So you can see where all of that falls, right? Again, messaging is important, but how it's delivered is not well done. So what can we do? Well, again, if we go back to the article, there are some great tips on managing stress, improving your sleep, cutting back on certain uh, overly refined uh, carbohydrates or foods. Some of this is great information. I would say choose one small thing. If I were to repurpose this, I would say in regards to instead of exercise, what's one form of movement that I can do on a regular basis? For example, can I take a break from my desktop, my computer, my work for about 10 or 15 minutes to go and walk? Can I go for a walk early in the morning before I start work? That's the way I would approach physical activity or movement in a way that's in line with what you can do in life. So you don't feel this pressure to have to go to the gym or do something like that. Now, don't get me wrong. I, like others, enjoy exercising. I enjoy going to the gym. I enjoy doing hard stuff like a 25, 30-mile hike along the Appalachian Trail with 40 pounds of weight on my back with a pack. And um, I like doing martial arts and I love mountain biking and riding 20 to 30 miles on my bike with my buddies on Sunday. And don't get me wrong. Exercise is great. All I'm saying is that we do need to be careful what we read and know that the information that's being put out there is very much repeating that weight stigmatization, that body-centered or weight-centered approach, and that's just not healthy for our culture or for our society. We need to do a better job of asking people to validate what they're talking about or look into some of the studies and not just go blind, because that's where social media, media in general, feeds us information, and it really starts seeping into our neural narrative, if you would. And that makes it a lot harder to change our lives. So again, I want to thank Destiny for pulling this article and this study and doing this analysis and I really appreciate the great insight that we had in this. this. This served as a great discussion in our group 
Um, and I do this with a lot of my interns. So I'm going to have more of these segments coming up so we can look at articles and see what those studies are really saying and see where all that weight stigma is, co- is coming from. This is one of the reasons why I have this podcast because it's about chopping that diet mentality. And so I hope you enjoyed this. I hope that this brought you some great information. But you know what? I'd love to get your feedback. I'd love for you to give me some comments. Now, you can do that in several ways. I'd love for you to leave me a review on the podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple, again, scroll down, click on the stars, make leave a review, leave me a review there. Or you can go to the website, tdwellness.com, contact us. And there's also a speak pipe recording audio message that you can leave of 90 seconds or less. So you can go there too, and that you can give us information, or you can send us an email, right? Info at tdwellness.com, I-N-F-O at ttomdavidwellness.com. You can go there, leave us some messages in there as well. All right, folks, I greatly appreciate you for listening in. I hope this was helpful. And remember, chop the diet mentality, fuel your body, and nourish your soul. Until next time. Oh, yeah.